Good morning, everyone. Good to see all y'all. Um, hey, um, so yesterday, my, my family and I, we went to Disneyland um, for most of the day. And um, I was having issues with my Wi-Fi the whole time, and it drove me nuts. Uh, and, and then, like, here, here I am at, at Disneyland, which is supposed to be, you know, the happiest place on earth. And I couldn't, like, receive the fullness of its joy and happiness because of this Wi-Fi thing. And, um, and uh, I, I know, like, I've been doing ministry long enough to know that there's a sermon illustration there, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, instead, what I would like to tell you is there's this moment when I did get Wi-Fi, and I was able to log in to Instagram, and I saw this amazing quote that just stuck with me, and it's this right here. 2022 feels like that boyfriend we're about to take back for the third time because he swears he's changed. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing that. Uh, anyone feeling like my read that and be like, yes, preach. You know what I mean? Like we, we have some trust issues with these like so-called years. You know what I mean? Like we're only nine days in and it's already like, dude, come on. Right? We're like, it's some, some of the ongoing same worrisome stuff are just kind of coming up again. You know, like, like political stuff, pandemic stuff, racial issue stuff. It's still ongoing. And it really st is and still is a very disorienting season. And, um, and I think that has led us, a lot of us, to kind of reevaluate some things. It has led us to reevaluate some of our spiritual life stuff, political stances, relationships. Um, because the idea of new year and new beginnings doesn't have that kind of same ring that it once used to. Um, uh, something about it just kind of like, wore us down a little bit, and we carry that with us, and we're, we're carrying that with us, and so, and so part of that, like, this, how as human beings, we're trying to make sense of this disorienting season, and reevaluating stuff, um, th that process became known as, like, it's, it's such a buzzword in Christianity of last year was deconstruction, right, deconstruction, and, and the thing about deconstruction is uh, every good deconstruction has reconstruction on the other side and and while while my everybody in this room and everyone listening might not be in that phase in that process of deconstruction but every single one of us in any given season as we continue to grow and mature as human beings we're looking for something to anchor us in our identity belonging and purpose in every different season and that is what brings us to our vision for 2022, which is love embodied. Love embodied. And we see this vision as love embodied being like this anchor for 2022 that shapes our identity, shapes our, shapes how we define our sense of belonging, and shapes our purpose. It propels our purpose. Um, I'm trying to pray through this right now. Um, I'm going to go a little off script because um, I, I think, um, yeah, I'm going I'm to go off script. Um, this idea of love embodied <clears throat> at, at its core, it, it is what it means as followers of Jesus, to receive the gospel wholeheartedly, 
It, it is what it means to be the body of Christ, to embody this love together with one another. And it, it should define everything we do as a follower of Jesus. Anyone who proclaims that Jesus is our Lord and Savior should live out this idea of what it means to live out this love and body. Because we see so many times in Scripture, in, in John, 1 John, so, so many times it mentions that when we, that God is love. And we love, when we love one another, we, we love God. Like, we can't say that we love God without loving one another. And it's talking about how, like, this love defines who we are. It defines who we, who we belong to, how we belong, and what we do. I mean, Christmas is only a few weeks ago. Right? We just ended the 12 days of Christmas, right? And in the core of the Christmas theology is that the love of God, the very essence of God's love, became human flesh and dwelt among us, right? And so this is what this, this is about, love and body, that we are living out the gospel in all aspects of our lives, in, in, how, in how we view ourselves, in our identity, in how we view our community, in how we view everything that we do. Uh, and so let me give you kind of like, a, um, maybe like kind of behind the curtains view of how like this, the process, how we came to love and body, because it, it was actually a two-year-long process. Um, a couple years ago, Jay and I got invited to become, uh, to be part of this cohort at Fuller Seminary. And a part of the cohort, we, we were able to receive like kind of the, like the recent findings of what they're finding, like the, of their research and stuff. And one of the things that they found in, the, in part of this cohort is that every teenager, every teenager, at any given, or any, at certain point, is asking themselves these, these, three big quick, big, these three big questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. And that stuck with me because I know, like, this is a cohort. We, we were part of this cohort because we're, like, it was supposed to help us launch our youth group, right? And so we were at this conference for the youth, and I'm like, and I'm hearing this, I'm like, this is for me. Like, I am processed. I'm thinking about my identity, my belonging, and my purpose. And it, because it's true for all of us. We're, like, in, any, like, in every different stage of life, we are always asking ourselves, what is my identity? What is my purpose? Where do I belong? And what is my purpose? Start a new job. What, what is my role here? Who are my clique in, in my new job? And what am I doing ultimately in this new job? In every, like, I'm thinking about this as a, as a dad. I'm thinking about this as a husband. I'm thinking about this as a pastor. You're thinking, some of you are thinking about this as a student. Some of you are thinking about this as, as, um, as a person. Um, I, I, just any, in any, any stage of life. And we, we try to answer these questions through the narratives that are around us, right? Like, we're asking these questions in, in the form of, who am I? Where do I fit? How does my life matter? And some of the narratives that shape this is, like when it comes to identity, it's like, what am I to, what am I to others? Like, what do others expect of me? I am not blank enough. I am not smart enough, pretty enough, athletic enough, um, talented enough. I'm my own personal brand, I'm my own label. And what the, the narratives that surround belonging is about safety, like where do I belong? With whom and where do I feel safe? How do I know if I'm needed? It's, it's, it's the question of commonality. How, what do I share with so-and-so and with whom? And the narratives around purpose is, I matter if I'm doing this. I, ma I matter if I'm 
making the right choices. I matter if I'm headed toward a good future or doing God's will. And these are questions related to identity, belonging, and purpose. And, and so fast forward now to like the end of 2021 and you know, at the start of new year. And the staff and I, we, we, we've been talking and asking ourselves a question of what, what does this look like in a church community? And, um, and just to, I, I like, and I, Dave, you're not gonna like this, but just to give Dave props, he, he worked this like professor magic as a part of this conversation. <laughs> And um, we were, and during this during this process, like we were able to define, like, as a follower of Jesus, what is, what does it mean to be gospel people, to be a gospel person, and to do gospel things? And because ultimately, the question that we're asking about identity, belonging, and purpose, it's it's found in this ancient truth that's been here for so long, and that has withstood the test of time. Earlier, we're, when we're singing, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus, I, I, was think, I couldn't help but to think about my grandma singing that song in Korean. Be, she's seen some stuff. She's lived through the Korean War. She's been through some famines, political upheaval. And I remember she would sing that hymn. And every time she sang it, there's, there's a depth of faith, right? And it's always been there. And this is the narrative I'm asking us to enter into in 2022. What does it mean for us to embody this love that withstands the test of time, withstands through any kind of confusion and chaos, whether politically, racially, spiritually? What does it mean to dive in into this faith? Because in Christ, we have the opportunity to have a new identity. We have, an identity. we have an opportunity to belong to the people of God, to be called sons and daughters of God. With Christ, we have an opportunity to do kingdom things. That even like, and here's the crazy part about this, how this kingdom works. It doesn't have to be big, awesome, sexy things. It could be the little things. And that's powerful to God's kingdom. Because in faithfulness in God's kingdom isn't about the big things, but it's about being present to everything and all things, right? So love embodied. This represents our church's journey towards pursuing our identity, belonging, and purpose this year. And we'll be continue to, we'll be continue to unpacking this throughout the year. And I pray that it will be a transformative and formative for all of our souls. And to share more about that, the other staff members are going to come up. And so that is my way of passing the baton to the incomparable, wonderful, <laughs> lavishly handsome, <laughs> Pastor Jay Wu. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I uh, fully receive that. Um, so uh, I, I carry a lot of hats within our church, but one area that has been kind of near and dear to my heart is, is the youth group. And where our church has been at, and if I can give you some backstory, um, love embodied, the identity, belonging, purpose, um, that's been a piece in our church that has been there, but we've always constantly, like, it's been in, like, the shadow area that we've tried to work out, right? And so um, for us, um, we, our, our church didn't have any youth group prior to uh, 
2020. My dates are a little mixed up. Um, a little bit over a year ago. Um, and so in the midst of Fuller opening up kind of this cohort, we were in the same phase of planning to launch our, our youth group. And when we did, we had about a couple of meetings and then pandemic hit. <laughs> so our youth group, those that are considered youth in our church, have literally been part of our group through and through these last two years of the pandemic. And so one of the primary areas that we focused on um, over these last couple of years really is just a, a space of belonging. It's been to um, show the, the youth and, and even a, a, as a church to repent of say, hey, we, we, we didn't have this space for you. And that's our bad. And we, we need to make that right. Um, and, and so that was this, these last two years. And it's been a crazy journey. It's been amazing. This last year was full of different transitions. And so the way that we ended 2021, and this kind of, for me, it captures what love and body looks like. Um, we went ice skating. And I'm grateful that we did, because the next day they, they were going to raise their prices. So we beat inflation <laughs> by one day. Um, and so we, we are on this ice, and, and I think there's only a handful of, of maybe the youth and the leaders that have ice skated before. And so this is a brand new experience. And prior, like no one's been ice skating for two years at least because of the pandemic, right? So everyone's fresh. Ice is a little bit scary. We know that it's super hard, but we're going to try. And so we showed up, we got on the ice, and, and literally just kind of scooted it along. But what I started to see was we have one leader who was a lot more comfortable on the ice. She started to, to like hold the hands of different youth and just slowly like, move them along on the ice away from the wall. And as I was sitting there, or not sitting there, as I was trying to like observe while not falling, <laughs> I felt this deep sense of like God's love and how God approaches us in our relationship with him. And by the end of that hour and a half, uh, maybe like an hour 15, something like that, our youth continued to persist on the ice and they got more and more comfortable being on ice and what was amazing was um, I eventually started to see youth like get off the wall go for a bit go back on the wall go off and on and it just was like you could see that determination and that for me was kind of the beauty of what um, I imagine love embodied being and how God works in us and what I would love for our youth to experience that they would be more and more comfortable knowing who they are in Christ knowing how the church loves them and knowing that there's a space and a place for their presence and their leadership here and now. But it's in that slow, slow and steady process of being walked through, right, over and over again until they're like, hey, I think I got this. And they're willing to try. And it's a beautiful picture. And so this year, this year, we, so we've been trying to keep it afloat the last couple of years. But this year, what I've, I've been feeling, what I would love, what I'm praying into is that our youth group would continue to really start to flourish and grow. That this would be a space where our youth not only have their own context of discipleship, but that we're starting to see them lead out in spaces here on Sundays and in different areas of our church. That they would be given leadership right now. That they would be trained and discipled and mentored in spaces here. And that as they do that, they would be the ones leading out in their uh, relationships at school, that they would be initiating conversations with their families at home, and that they would be in that space where they are 
grounded in who they are in Christ, that their identity is clear and clear and clear. And so essentially what I'm asking for our church is that we accompany our youth, that we're stepping into these relationships. There's going to be multiple opportunities that we're going to do this. Um, and really that we're prayerfully uh, seeing the youth and engaging with them. And so that's the piece for the youth. But the other second, secondary piece is, is uh, what's been sitting on my heart. We're in this space of Maple neighborhood. We're in this stretch of Valencia. Um, there are dozens of students that are here, multiple, like hundreds of students. And we have had these relationships. We have been present to the youth around here. But over these last few years, we haven't had any contact for them. My prayer for us this year as a church that we would experience, that we would be um, a, a, a tangible love embodied to our youth, to the neighbors that are here, that they would have a space not only to come here, but that we would be with them where they're at. And so it's a twofold vision that our youth would experience love and body and that the youth around us would experience that too. And that's going to stretch us. It's going to stretch us in different ways. Um, but I absolutely believe that that's what the kingdom is, is calling us into. And that this year specifically, in the midst of maybe that we come out of this pandemic, um, that there's space for that. So that's youth. Um, hope you're excited for that. Hope youth that you guys are excited for that. Um, but uh, so... Yeah, so that's youth group, youth ministry. I'm going to transition. We have uh, our next ministry is children's ministry. So we're kind of uh, hitting on the, the younger people right now. I think there's a video. Uh, so if you guys would catch that. And then um, we're going to invite our other children's ministry director to come up. When I became a new mom, I remember people coming up to me and saying, is he a good baby? And of course, I knew what they meant, right? They meant, is he sleeping through the night? Is he eating well? But I also heard a subtle, implicit question beneath those questions, and that is, quite simply, how convenient is he? When my son became a toddler, the question changed a little bit. People started to ask my son directly when we would go into stores, they would look at him and say, oh, you're so cute. Are you a good boy? Or if you know, if they thought he was a girl because of his hair, they'd say, are you, are you a good girl? Do you make your mommy happy? Essentially, do you do what you're told? I wonder if you remember what it felt like to be reduced to that. There are new ways of defining what a good child is at every stage of development, but one theme does seem like it's pretty consistent. A good child, in the eyes of so many people, has relatively few expressed needs. Wherever our children go, authority figures and even strangers are ranking them and valuing them based on their appearance, their performance, and their behavior. I think we're starting to talk more as a culture about racism and sexism. I don't think we're hearing a lot in the broader conversations about childism. Childism is discrimination against the very young. Children are actually the most vulnerable members of every marginalized population. And in our culture, they are systemically unseen as full, complex human beings. In our children's ministry, we reject this paradigm wholeheartedly. Our model is Jesus 
And Jesus esteemed children. He didn't just esteem them a little, he esteemed them radically. He esteemed all children. I've been thinking a lot about Mark 10, 13 to 16 this week. I'll read it for you. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And he took them in his arms and blessed them laying his hands on them. To Jesus, the treatment of children was a social justice issue. To Jesus, the treatment of children was a gospel issue. He was indignant when they were dismissed and belittled and talked down to. When people thought that they weren't really worth his time. And he didn't stop there. He actually proactively blessed them. And in laying his hands on them, he was affirming their full inclusion in the family of God. He was affirming their spiritual capacity. Karina and I are deeply passionate about honoring the children of one life and seeing them as the image bearers of God that they are from infancy onward. Our aim is to make Sunday school a place where children consistently experience a taste of the unconditional love that God has for them, a love that is never predicated on performance or appearance or behavior or ability. Our goal is to come alongside you as the parents of our church as we are seeking together to nurture the spiritual lives of our kids by honoring their competence and by honoring their capacity to hear from God, experience God directly themselves. In light of all of this, we are so excited to be bringing a new program called Godly Play to the church this year. That's the goal within the next 12 months at the most, hopefully sooner. The goal of Godly Play is to encourage our kids' wonder and to help them encounter the grace of God through the art of storytelling, through their own imaginations, through play-based learning and and this is so important and close to my heart, through a posture of non-defensive welcome for all of their questions. Their questions are rich and varied, they are deep, and we want to embrace all of the questions that they have. Through Godly Play, they will be physically surrounded in the room with the story of God through Montessori-inspired materials and They'll become familiar with the liturgical calendar. They'll be able to respond to the stories with creativity and with depth. And we are so excited to continue sharing more about this with you um, and to share with you how you can partner with us in the months to come. Thank you. Just as Lindsay shared, um, we are super excited to incorporate godly play into um the older kids and then um sorry i'm like ah okay um for the nursery um we just really wanted to be very intentional about how the children um recognize the presence of god um we believe that just like a child can recognize their parents um we really believe that they can recognize who god is as well um and so um, I know this firsthand because my little baby, um, he, it, it's, 
it's a completely different vibe that he has when he listens to um, secular music or any like soundtrack from like a movie or something from when he listens to worship. Um, he when he listens to just like regular music, he just like he'll dance, he'll play, he'll, he'll play around. But when he's listening to worship, it's like I don't know. It's it's such a different. Um, like his body language is different. He'll start actually singing, which is really beautiful to me. Um, so we want to incorporate that into the nursery as well for the children. We want to buy. We're going to buy um, instruments for the children and have worship time for them. Um, there's also like an obvious change in books. Um, and we just want to purchase more books um, that are themed of Christ. Um, so overall, we really care about every aspect of the children. Um, so even their health. So at the end of January, I will be actually making the snacks for the children <laughs> um, at home. Um, and there's a lot of thought in all of their allergies and their nutrition and all of that as well. Um, yeah, so our vision is um, for full intentionality with our children, that we are not just using the time to keep them calm or running like a daycare, right? We're actually um, making sure that we're making the time for Christ for them in, in this, on Sunday, where it should be, you know, uh, sacred. So, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I'm really excited for, um, for this new year um, as as you guys know, last year, 2021, um, it was with peacemaking and justice. It was a new role for me. It was like a new area of ministry for our church. So I feel like a lot of last year was um, just kind of like building the foundation um, as we were we were building some partnerships um, here with Solidarity, um, just getting more involved with them in ways that, that we can love the neighborhood around us um, through Fullerton Act, which is uh, a group of, of local churches in Fullerton. We were able to participate in a couple collabs around racial reconciliation and immigration. Those, those collabs in themselves were new. And so, um, and a lot of that, we're just, we're building these relationships. We're building a foundation, kind of figuring out as the year went along, um, how we as a community want to engage peacemaking and justice. And so in 2022, I'm excited because I feel like we get to build on that foundation a little bit more. Um, so specifically with those collabs that I talked about, um, there's going to be some opportunities to invite our, our whole community um, into opportunities for engagement um, in those areas of racial reconciliation and immigration here in our local community. Um, we're going to continue to to partner with Solidarity. Um, we've we've been working with Martha. Um, we also have Jasmine over in the Garnett neighborhood now, and so we're looking to just partner with them and support the work that they're doing to continue to to love our neighbors. Um, we have Elliot Ramirez as well doing soulful stuff um, in the Richmond neighborhood, and so coming around him as well. Um, and um, and even even in this year, as as we've been kind of laying the foundation, there still has been like really significant stuff um, that's taken place, um, both within those relationships and um, you know we got to do a trauma training with with Dr. Dave. We um, had our peacemaking series. We've had um, book club and um, small group curriculum around peacemaking and resource lists for 
Cultural Heritage Month. And so those are things that, that we're going to continue and, um, and push more into as well. Um, and so as we, as we think about our theme of love embodied, um, I feel like with, with peacemaking and justice, um, that's really what it is. And it, in our peacemaking efforts, it has to be rooted in love, um, both in, in knowing that we are, are rooted and secure in, in God's love and presence, and then from that place, looking to love well our neighbors and the people around us. Um, and, and I know that sometimes in, in these areas of peacemaking and justice, um, sometimes it can be hard to enter into, um, because they, they feel big and scary and messy. Um, but I've just really thought about, um, the, the verse in first John 4, 18, where it says a perfect love casts out fear. Um, and so if we are rooted in that love, that's what gives us the courage to, to enter into some of these spaces. Um, and as, as I was um, kind of discussing, like reflecting over the past year and starting to look ahead to the new year with, with my lead team um, over email in the last couple months, um, one thing that actually Elliot Ramirez um, had said in those emails was one thing that he appreciates about our church is the willingness to go there, um, that, that we're willing to um, talk about um, some of the topics that maybe you don't normally hear about in church, some of the things that... Um, can be a little bit more difficult to talk about, that we're willing to go there. And, and that phrase has really stuck with me. And, um, and so kind of my hope even in this year, year to come is that, that we would um, have the courage to go there, whether that is um, kind of looking internally into our own areas of brokenness and pain and, and seeking wholeness in that, um, whether that is in having difficult conversations in relationship um, that move us towards reconciliation, um, or whether that is, you know, kind of engaging in some of these larger issues, um, some of these, these issues that might be more polarizing, um, being able to, to enter into those seeking restoration. Um, so that, that is my hope um, for us in the area of peacemaking and justice in this year to come. Um, I'm Dave, uh, the pastor of uh, spiritual formation, and um, when I think of formation, uh, I actually think, just similar to Elliot, I, I, I think of um, that song we sang, "To So Sweet, uh, To Trust in Jesus. It's actually my favorite song of my entire life, uh, ever since I was 14 years old, and uh, it brought back memories of growing up in an immigrant Chinese church of um, steam buns uh, during lunch of uh, listening to music in Mandarin and in English. And, and it kind of brought me back to all the different points in time where I have sung that song, you know, like in, in Vancouver, uh, in the house we used to live in, in um, the house that I grew up in in San Jose, in different places and different. And I feel the meaning of that song just transcends the music and the words. And it incorporates this sense of, like, God has really walked with me um, and the song is like a placeholder of God's faithfulness through each decade of my life, each season of my life. And it reminds me of these important truths about formation that we talk a lot about in our church, um, such as how formation, it's, it's slow cooked, you know, it's not premised on this one, you know, spectacularly planned church event, you know. Even, even regardless of how spectacular an event can be, or even regardless of how like, powerfully God's presence might be manifested, I don't think that compares to 
God walking with you in little, little by little throughout years and years of your life. You know, between the two, I would still love that, but between the two, I, I'd rather have God walk with me in subtle ways throughout decades than one spectacular event where God just shows up in this amazing way, right? And because of this, um, formation is also relational. It's not this, you know, uh, one-time event. It's, it's like digging a ditch where I have to do it one shovel at a time. And when formation is like digging a ditch over a long period of time, it has to be relational, right? It, it's about us accompanying each other as we're digging our own ditches. And, and the meaning isn't, again, we're not going to dig the whole ditch in one week. The, the meaningfulness of this is when we're doing this together and we're present to each other as we're taking two steps forward, as we're taking one step back, as we are growing close to each other, and as we tick each other off, as we disappoint each other, and actually working through all those things, that actually is what forms us. That's what brings us together, and that's what brings us closer to Christ as well. Which brings us to the last point, which is formation requires commitment. You know, a lot of times we have this mentality of, you know, we're like this hired gun where we're only going to go to the church where it has the best program, it has the, you know, brightest lights. And I feel like we're missing the point. It doesn't produce the kinds of deep, mature disciples, right? Because a lot of that comes through commitment of being committed to being present with God throughout all our years and also being committed to be present with each other in our lives. And this is really challenging and this is happening in our church where as we go from different seasons of life to you know other seasons of life, it's challenging to remain present to each other, right? Um, to be, remain present to each other in our single years, in our married years, in our young kids years, and as Vivian and I are entering into as uh, kids with in their teenage years, it, it isn't natural anymore. We have to work at it. We have to be disciplined. We have to step into it and consciously commit to, hey, it's, I don't know how to do this when we have young kids. I don't know how we do this when we have older kids, but we're going to stick it in with each other. You know? And my hope and my vision is that 20 years from now, because we've stuck it in with each other, even though we're really different and we're in different life stages, we're going to have something even more beautiful than we could, we would uh, otherwise if we had like fancy programs or, and hopefully our program would be better. And I think it is year by year. Uh, it's, it's not that we're going to ignore those, but, but this really is the gold and the vision that we're pursuing. And uh, in addition to being pastor of formation with uh, Pastor Jay Lee as well, we uh, oversee the teaching uh, agenda for, uh, and plans for the team. So uh, I also want to give us a heads up on what to expect on uh, Sunday service teaching for the whole entire year. We have the whole year planned out. And one of the things that we're super stoked about and we love about, one of the things I love about our church is <clears throat> our teaching ministry is team taught. So it's not one dude, usually it's a dude by the way, um, one person um, preaching like 50 times, you know, a year, it's uh, team taught across nine different teachers, you know, and uh, the reason why this is important is because we we value having multiple voices speak into our church because we have, we all have blind spots and we need to cover each other's blind spots. <clears throat> and one way we do that is we have multiple people preach here from the word of God and preach on Sundays. <clears throat> And also, related to our uh, theme, love embodied, love can be embodied in so many different ways. We don't want to come across as if everyone has to conform to one dude's perspective on how love can be embodied. 
we want to have multiple visions of how love can be embodied because that's the reality of the diversity and the beauty of the diversity of the love of Christ. So um, <clears throat> if I, I'll just, uh, if, if we can go to that, uh, that slide, here is what we're looking at. We're going to preach from the Old Testament. We're going to preach from the New Testament. In the New Testament, we're going to look at uh, the Gospel of John and of Christ's life as ours our model of love embodied. The Old Testament book in Isaiah, we're going to actually preach on the chapters of the suffering servant, which is some of the most beautiful passages of that, that look forward to uh, Christ and the un incoming Messiah. We are going to continue uh, a lot of our annual traditions, such as the Lament and Lent series, which is love embodied uh, in the form of being present to each other's suffering and pain and loss. Uh, we are going to look at the missional life, love embodied during the other six days of the year, uh, week, not just uh, Sunday. We're going to look at spiritual disciplines, these practical um, practices that we can uh, practice so that we can uh, bring... Uh, Come, uh, become closer in intimacy with the Lord. We're going to have a, a second iteration of Matt Stricker's uh, What the Heck is the Church <clears throat> uh, series, and that's going to look at how ch institutional churches have not been love embodied, <laughs> and we're going to look specifically at how uh, the use of power and the abuse of power uh, within church circles, and how we can be different, and how we can pursue a different path. And we're going to also look at um, peacemaking, and we're going to start a new series on virtue and uh, character because Christians need to talk about virtue and character because a lot of our leaders, we might have good doctrine and we might justify certain behavior through correct doctrine, but we don't do that in a very Christian way. <laughs> and we're missing the point. If we have just the right beliefs and we're going about life, even defending those right beliefs in a manner that's not Christianly. So we're going to actually focus uh, uh, the entire series on the virtue of humility and modeling ourselves out of the humility of Christ and asking ourselves, what would it look like if we were to lead as Christians, if we were to uh, live as Christians in this world, embodying the virtue of humility, right? And then last, we're going to have a nerdy um, series called Theological Formation. That might be a new uh, annual tradition that we're going to have. And, you know, uh, we are about embodiment of love. And at the same time, we still believe doctrine and beliefs are important. And we're going to nerd out for about four weeks and actually talk about deep theological issues. This year, we're going to talk about different atonement theories because that actually does shape how we embody our faith and embody love. I might, I'm probably going to preach on um, the canon of Scripture. So you know how we have 50, how many books of the Bible do we have? 50, no, 66. Okay, thank you. See, I went to four years of seminary and I forgot that. Um, so the canon of Scripture is the topic of, have you ever wondered who the heck, how did we choose those 66 in the, six books in the Bible and not, why don't we have 72 books? Why don't we have 55 books? Like the process of how we got those 66 books together. Because it's not written in Scripture, these are the 66 books in the Bible. It has to come through a different uh, process, and we're actually going to talk about that in uh, theological formation. And each future year, we'll, uh, we'll talk about different other kind of deep theological um, uh, topics as well. So that's what I have prepared for this morning. And as a time to wrap up our time together today, maybe for a few moments, if I can invite you all to discuss with the person next to you, um, what are your impressions of what we have uh, planned for this uh, coming year? What stood out to you and what phrases or ideas uh, really kind of resonate? With you?